Perverted, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Afroverdict podcast. Today's episode will take a rather sorrowful turn. As in the heart of West Africa lies Sierra Leone, a truly beautiful country now facing a devastating crisis, the Kush epidemic. Kush, a potent synthetic drug, has cast a pretty dark shadow over the country, ensnaring countless lives, particularly the male youth. And moreover, recent diabolical development features people digging up graves and no, not for the sake of the valuables possibly buried with the deceased, but for their very bones. The extracted bones are then ground to a fine powder and added to the Kush to enhance its psychoactive effect due to the high concentration of sulfur in the bones of the departed. The lure of Kush lies in its cheap and ready available nature. For less than a dollar, locals can buy a dose to get a fleeting escape from the harsh realities of daily life. However, this momentary respite comes at a steep price, like all do. As the saying goes, there's no free cheese in a mousetrap. Kush is a cocktail of harmful substances that wreak havoc on the body and mind, leading to addiction, psychosis, and to no surprise, even death. The extent of Kush's grip on Sierra Leone is staggering. Hospitals are overwhelmed with young patients grappling with the drug's devastating effect. Families are torn apart as loved ones become consumed by this drug with their lives spiraling into chaos. Obviously, communities are also left to pick up the pieces, uh, grappling with the social and economic consequences of this terrible epidemic. Yet, uh, amidst this despair, a flicker of hope still remains. A movement is rising, fueled by the determination of those who refuse to succumb to Kush's destructive power. Addiction specialists are tirelessly working to combat the epidemic, providing treatment and support to those in need. And we can witness communities reorganizing and raising awareness and advocating for better prevention and rehab programs. But in this episode of the Afroverdict podcast, we will go on a journey into the heart of Sierra Leone's Kush crisis. We'll meet those bearing the brunt of this epidemic, hearing their stories of struggle, resilience, and hope. We'll explore the root causes of Kush's spread and the challenges in combating it. And we'll witness the truly inspiring efforts of those fighting back determined to reclaim their communities and their futures. Join us as we delve into the depths of this complex issue, seeking understanding and exploring the path to a brighter future for Sierra Leone's youth. First up, I'm joined by a Sierra Leonean student in Moscow, Ernest Farmer. He hails from Wellington, the eastern part of Freetown, Sierra Leone's capital city. Kush surfaced in his community three and a half years ago, and among numerous others, Ernest also lost two cousins to the devastating drug. Well, Ernest, thank you for joining me on Afroverdict today. I uh, really appreciate the effort. So tell our listeners a bit about yourself. My name is Ernest Farmer. I'm a third, uh, I'm a third year medical student in Russia, uh, um, University. <clears throat> and I'm from Australia, from the Republic of Australia. Okay, well, good to know you. Let's dive right into our topic, which is obviously Kush. Uh, perhaps you could start by telling our listeners more about this drug in Sierra Leone. So basically, one might want to know basically what's Kush, yeah? So basically, Kush is the drug that causes severe respiratory symptom defects. So, which actually leads to dizziness, headaches, drowsiness, and acting abnormally. Of course, in Sierra Leone, uh, people who uh, process it add, uh, literally they add formalin, so it which is more dangerous to to those who smoke it. So basically, uh, talking about uh, Kush is uh, the main topic while we are here. So, but I'd like to talk about why these youths, because when I was back home, when I was doing my first degree at the the College of Medicine uh, and Allied Health and Sciences. I actually <clears throat> wrote my project, my dissertation on the drug, on risk and protective factors for substance uh, used among secondary school students. So looking at, uh, looking at the background of uh, this whole drug stuff, the risk of substance use among high school students is 
unanimously taking a toll on the communities in Sierra Leone and now becoming a major primary health issue. So basically, if you look at uh, the high school life of uh, of the youth in Sierra Leone, like let's say it's because my studies was, was actually uh, focused on the, on high school students, let's say from 15 to 24 years. And this is basically the transformation from teen to younger adults. So I actually look, my studies actually helped me look at the, the high school year of their lives, uh, basically accompanied by the intense academic pressure, students seeking independence, like to actually be on their own, and also high life expectation. And you can also see like uh, desire for belonging to groups and also, but limitation of uh, parental supervision, we can see from this, from actually this point of view. So while I was back home, I actually engaged, I have uh, a particular organization back home, which is called HEFA, Health Focus Arena. They actually embarked lately, while I was even in Russia, they embarked on this push campaign because it has been on the rampage. So I was actually the coordinator for the, even while I'm here. So I actually feed them with information and other stuff. So looking at Kush and looking at how uh, youths and uh, young adults have been vulnerable and are actually been susceptible to some kind of drug. Me, myself, I don't know where this drug actually came from because um, if I could, if my memory could serve me well, we first had um, diaper. Have you heard of diaper before? No, no, I haven't actually. Hey, what is that? So, the first the, the youth were actually taking diaper. They used to call it pampas water. It's like the they boil the diaper. You know, there is this polythene inside the diaper, and then they used to boil it. And when they boil this, they drink it. And it actually has this polythene. It actually makes them drowsy. It makes them tipsy, and they become very, very, very drunk. So they actually graduated from this diaper to Kush. Oh, no, that's terrible. Look, you're a med student, right? And medical professionals dedicate their lives, obviously, to helping people and prevent suffering. Why did you decide to go into healthcare? Well, my main cause of study, actually, it's all coming from, like, my innate, my innate desire, like, to always help people. Because for my country, but Sierra Leone, we don't have much doctors. And for me... <clears throat> Doing a first degree in nursing, I also did some technology. What actually motivated me to come here dramatically enhanced my professional and personal development, like to to seek new ideas, like coming to Russia, looking at the healthcare system and how they they try to like in the area I mentioned primary health care issues and how they put themselves together and how to actually um um, gets everything under control. So basically, it's part of my motivation because I want to actually do like, what should I say, maybe a master's degree like in in addiction and something. So just so I can help people. Okay, well, best of luck with your studies. I'm sure that people like you truly have the future of the country in, in your own hands. Well, getting back to Kush, what are the symptoms that can give away a user? Uh, do you perhaps know anyone personally who is addicted to this substance? So basically, I actually made mention of Kush, but I just um, defined it just like that. So viewers might want to know basically what is Kush. Okay, so I will take them through and I'll share some testimonies. I have my cousin. We started together. When we started, he said he wanted, he wanted to be a lawyer, but today... He actually lost interest in usual activity. That's the, the the worst thing I hate about Kush. Once you stop, you start smoking it. You don't feel any sense of belonging anymore. You just feel less of yourself. You lost interest in usual activity. You don't watch games. All you want to do is just take money and buy Kush to smoke. All you just want to do is take money or steal or do anything just so you can smoke this Kush. So basically... I'll take you through the Kush and then I'll talk about how I knew people who smoke the Kush and uh, how they look like 
and how they they can't stop. It's actually difficult for them to withdraw from the Kush. So, um, so basically, Kush is a specific type of uh, cannabis that originated from uh, the Hindu Kush mountain located near the border of Afghanistan. Based on my studies, yeah, so India, between the border of uh, Afghanistan, India, and Pakistan. So basically, Kush, uh, the Kush is smuggling to Swalio. The, sm- the Kush we're actually talking about is smuggled into Swalio. It's a synthetic chemical. It's synthetic. When you say synthetic, it's a chemical. Weed or otherwise known as Kush or Spice or K2 and many other funny names. So this synthetic Kush can be very harmful and life-threatening to as many as uh, 100. It's threatening as it is 100 times more deadlier than the natural marijuana. That is uh, Jamba. In my local dialect, Jamba, which you say, you know marijuana, right? So in my local dialect, it's called Jamba. It is 100 times more deadlier than that of the natural marijuana. So what I, from my own observation of the Kush, before in my country, we used to have uh, so many violence among the youth. Whenever they smoke marijuana, they become hostile. They stab each other. But since Kush came, once they smoke the Kush, they will stand in, a, in one position and then they start bending uh, uh, anteriorly, posteriorly, like just in one place. They bend anteriorly, posteriorly, and even laterally like this. So you see them, they, they, they're quiet. They don't make noise. Once they smoke the Kush, you just see them. So someone can even stand sleeping or walk, walk while sleeping again. You know, that's really unbelievable to me, hey? And sounds something similar to what's going on in Philadelphia in the US. Tell me, I saw in the media that now some people are digging up graves in Sierra Leone to get hold of the bones of the deceased. Tell us a bit about that. So basically, I got to know that uh, the youth are actually going in and digging graveyards and using human bones. What they do is they dig in, they get these bones, they scrape the bones with like knife or any sharp, flat object. So what they do when they start, they, they scrape it. And when they scrape these bones, they actually put this, uh, it's like a starch, like a powder. Well, it's like, uh, it's, do you know like how, it's not like sand or something. Do you know when you actually grind the board, like the board they used to make the stable, the form, that kind of dust that comes, to, that's how the bone is. So when they, when they scrape, uh, when they scrape this, uh, this bone, they add it to the kush, the synthetic chemical. And then what they do is, when they start smoking these things, when they put it together and then they smoke it, when they smoke it, it has a lot of side effects. One, of course, from the, the kush itself, from the synthetic soft stuff, when they start smoking, they get drowsy, they get dizzy, they actually can't do anything. You understand? And then what they get is from, they can also get cancer, they also get cancer, they can also get uh, kidney, uh, they can also get uh, heart diseases, they can get stroke, lung diseases, diabetes. And also, they can also get, of course, the main thing, their lungs, they actually get chronic obstructive pulmonary diseases, which is COPD. And also, they can also get chronic bronchitis. They can uh, also get uh, increased risk of tuberculosis, we all know. When your immune system is actually immunocompromised, you can get tuberculosis. And also, certain eye diseases as well. So, it does not only affect internal organs. It also affects the the, the organs also from outside, like the eye, certain eye diseases, and it's also actually affect the immune system, including like, uh, like people become susceptible to rheumatoid arthritis. So there is also this group of people who call themselves friends of the dead, uh, who apparently protect the graves from the addicts looking for bones. Uh, do you know of them? Yeah, I've heard of them. They actually, these friends of the dead, they're actually located in Ascension Town. And I haven't met them like in person, but uh, I've heard of them and the, 
they actually uh, what they do is they actually keep the graveyard clean they brush the surrounding the environment and that's where they make a living also because when you bring the bodies to them like you want to do a funeral they will have to dig the grave and stuff so basically they also raise such concern of how they go and see like you you bring your dead bury them they won't take before they used to take the casket and they used to sell it but now it has changed like i told you since they stopped smoking marijuana the hostile behavior the the uh the violence the the, the wickedness all went away the kush is actually suppressing the immune system you understand what i'm saying It's actually suppressing their immune system and it's actually like deviating them from 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 actually being like hostile because for marijuana it has a lot of interference with the brain. For Kush, it actually suppresses the immune system. It makes you not to feel anything. Like when you smoke the Kush, you can just like sleep outside like for the whole day. And when you actually relieve of the symptom, like you relieved of, you get relieved of the smoking and then you can actually get up and then you see like, so you lost like consciousness. Absolutely. I mean, you just become disinterested in reality and sort of fly off to somewhere else, which is a terrible state to be in, frankly. So your dissertation uh, was about Kush usage among high school pupils, right? What preventative measures do you think would be effective in reducing the number of addicts? So basically, my um, dissertation actually look at the risk and protective factors. So basically, let's see how we can go straight to the protective factors here. So the aim of the study was basically to, was to investigate the factors that influence psychoactive drugs and then to better understand the preventive factors of substance abuse among adolescents of the, the Methodist Boys High School, my studies was actually uh, directed to that place. And also to understand and highlight the protective factors uh, to the abuse of... There's a pot, spaghetti is inside. Yeah. So to better understand and highlight the protective factors to the abuse of uh, psychoactive drug among these young youths. And also to understand and highlight the risk factors causing the abuse of psychoactive drug among students. And also to explore parents' response when their children are suspected and known to like abusing the psychoactive drugs. Looking at uh, the prevention and related discussion, the results of my studies, my study actually uh, received a total of 100 response from male because there were no female because 70% of the male abuse the drug as compared to female. Maybe let's say 20% of female that we have will abuse, uh, will, will, will abuse uh, psychoactive drugs. So the key findings of the study shows the different views of opinions of the respondents in four categories, understand? So basically I would like to share. So 40% of the respondents strongly agrees awareness of health hazard of drug help prevent the use of drug at the school grounds or, or in the community. And also 44% agreed awareness of health hazard of drug prevents its use. And then 10% disagree that awareness of health hazard of drug does not help prevent the use of drug in the community. The remaining 6% strongly disagree that the practice of awareness raising on health hazard of psychoactive drug help prevent its use in the community. Yeah, and addicts, and not only drug addicts, but alcoholics too, you know, they have a tremendously negative impact on their environment, and especially the people around them. It goes, you know, as far as emotional and physical abuse to the people that are around the addict becoming codependent on him. Uh, a word of advice for these people from you. In a nutshell, we should actually get, uh, what should I say? Finding of uh, research which would help mental health practitioners and policymakers to develop 
effective prevention program for substance abuse. And also, a lot of um, sensitization needs to be done. Like, the problem we're having back home is the wrong information, and we don't have the resources like to embark on all of the government is already focused on handling uh, issues of the country and other stuff. And the youths are busy like misusing the drugs. So the likes of the mental health secretariats and other partners need to actually involve school students. What I strongly recommend is they should actually involve school students, involve them into these campaigns. If it's like on holidays or even like on weekends, take them to the provinces. Take people who can speak different languages, go there and speak in their language, the languages they understand. So they help help to educate these people to stop uh, the, the, the the abuse of of Kush and whatever jobs they are taking. And also there should be a policy like for Russia, for example, in Russia, they have specific places that you smoke. And there are things that you smoke in Russia. And the likes of marijuana is not, it's actually not prohibited there. And there are actually unauthorized places that you smoke. So there should be a policy. So the government has a greater role to play and the community has a greater role to play. So let me give you an example. Of course, you are a role model like in your community. Like let's say you are living in a, in a dorm where you have kids who are going to school. They see you every morning waking up to go to work. They admire you. If they start seeing you smoking, oh, I want to be like you, I want to smoke. You understand? So the community also have a greater role to play. Like the things you know that are actually bad, the things you know, if I do this, others will copy. So if you are doing anything, you're, you are trying to, you are abusing drugs, don't do it openly, I would say. You understand? And I strongly discourage anybody that is actually abusing drugs due to stress or something. And also the other problem is we need to actually get a clinical, uh, uh, clinical psychological center where people who are stressed can come and talk to anybody and their informations are safe. So when, if I'm actually stressed, I have this number I can come to. Like for my country and Africa as a whole, we all know people don't pay for all of these things. They see it as I am not mad, so why should I pay for you to talk to me out of something? So we need all of this uh, facilities and resources in place. We need this organization and particular centers. And then we need to establish different clubs, going to schools, explaining to them, engaging them. And also every school should have a psychologist, a clinical psychologist who actually encourage them, who, who is a professional, who has ethics. So because if you can channel it from the, from the, the let's say from the kindergarten, until like the primary school where the, the, the kids tend to understand things because kids at a very young age, they learn. Let's say now our youth are already smoking. Let's say, for example, my cousin is smoking back home. The only thing that actually helped me was I went to stay with my grandma and my grandma was very strict. It also depends on the parents, the kind of the background, the family and other stuff. So my grandma was a no-nonsense person. My grandma was a note. She, she taught for 45 good years. She took me to the library and sure every day I, I go to the library, I sign in. And when I'm going, going out, I sign out. So my time was always there. And outside the day, the librarian will sign at the end. So she helped me a lot. So I, I love my grandma so much. <laughs> United States mama did a lot for me, you know. If I am here today, it was because of the discipline. I thought she was doing something bad to me. So like I was saying, students... Seeking independence, this is one of the problems. And then intense academic pressure. Like in Africa, they pressure you to study too much. And this all makes, okay, I don't want to go to school again. I just want to be like this. Uh, after all, I can still make it. And also no job, job unemployment, and also high life expectation. That desire of belonging, like, hey, bro, I'm smoking. So why, why, why aren't you smoking? Okay, you're not chilling with us anymore. So the peer pressure also has like the friends you keep. So it has to start from the school. From the school, we take it to the streets. We take it to the youth. Every community must have a sensitization group that they should do it randomly. Not like do it today and after five years come and do it again. No. And then the government has to put strict policies in place. All right. So having a strong character basically to resist being pulled into the world of addiction is critical. No. 
And I mean, having something to do that is better than abusing the drug is obviously also a must. Ernest, finally, what message would you like to spread before we say goodbye? So in my conclusion, I would like to say it's actually overwhelming to see our young youths and lack of, lack of parental supervision, as, uh, which is also a high risk of psychoactive drug use, and also several reasons pointing to supervision as also positive effects, even in the schools, and also uh, situations by wherein they related to families or social care situations, and among which interfamily abuses, violence, and bullying outside the school. These are also high risk factors. So I actually and strongly encourage the young people, the young people who are actually sober, to actually, it's, not, it's never too late. Don't actually just care about yourself. I'll tell you one thing. If you want, if you want to see a change, you be the change you see. So if you want to stop seeing your brother, your cousin, your, 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 your uncle, your dad, your mom or your auntie to stop using psychoactive drugs, you start the action today. You take the action yourself by actually bringing people together, mobilize themselves, go to the communities, talk to people who are, talk to parents, the elderly, explain to them the, 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 the contraindications of taking kush, explain to them and tell them that if you take this kush, your future will be destroyed. It will actually make you slow you will actually get stupor. Like you slow in unusual activities. You always be in a state of delirium, like chronic confusion. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to find yourself. So I strongly encourage that you, the youth outside, those who are working, you know, you can't impact, or let me say you have, you are, you have money, you have your family is safe. Everybody is a victim. Even your child that is sober is a victim because they also have people who they like and which they will, one day might want to befriend those people, want to be like those people, and then they introduce them to smoking, and then they start smoking kush. So nobody is safe. We're all in danger, so we should ensure we try to come together, join hands together. Don't always look up to what government can do for you, what you can do for your community. Not always what the government can do for you, what you can do. So I, I, I crave on our indulgences. I, I ask you all to like join hands together, Go to the internet, search about Kush, um, Google, watch videos, and learn how to actually mobilize yourself and go to the community, talk to your friends, talk to your kids and parents. Actually, encourage your kids to actually talk to them. Don't pressure them. Always tell them when they're in danger or they don't pass an exam, they should come to you. So always be free because these are some of the reasons why we get kids going to to do all sorts of things just to seek help or maybe an advice from a friend and then they start smoking. Well, that was the testimony of Ernest Claude Farmer, a Sierra Leonean third year med student in Moscow. And I really appreciate him for, you know, coming out and telling about uh, the hardship of the addicts back in Sierra Leone and wherever else across the world. Well, now I'm joined by a healthcare specialist to get a more professional opinion on the matter. And thus, let's welcome Dr. Davida Sesay, CEO of Health Focus Arena. She is also a medical doctor uh, who has dedicated her life to improving the medical condition of her fellow citizens. Dr. Sesay, welcome to the Afroverde podcast. And uh, as always, thank you for joining me. So tell us about yourself and what is Health Focus Arena? Thank you very much, uh, Spotnik Africa. So I'm Dr. David Asise and I am the CEO of Health Focus Arena, which is in the, is a Sierra Leonean community-based organization that focuses on um, public health sensitization, on pertinent issues, that are clearly affecting the lives of um, the general populace and um, <clears throat> seeing how we as an organization can dampen the effects of the things, or the health issues that the, co- the country is facing or even, you know, the diaspora at large. Yeah, so that's our aim, objective, yeah. 
Right, right. Well, thank you for dedicating your life to such a cause. It is uh, truly admirable. So tell us about Kush. Yeah, so Kush is, is yes, indeed a local drug um, that is, is, is like an endemic situation currently in Sierra Leone. Um, you have a lot of people, especially the youth population, you know, binging on Kush. It's actually... Um, or should I say it's it's some sort of a an enhancement drug that when you take it, it has that effect of giving you the euphoric feeling, makes you sleep a lot. It's just basically you go crazy. You're not yourself, you do not behave, you behave irrationally, you're sleeping in the streets, someone hits you, you're not even aware. Yes, yeah, so People take it because of the euphoric effect it has. It makes them feel high. So it's it's some sort of a self-recreational drug that is being used currently at its uh, endemic situation in the country. A lot of um, symposiums have been held. It's a national emergency because the Ministry of Health currently in our country, we have other people, other organizations, other health um, care bodies coming together to see how, you know, we can be able to manage the situation in the country because almost 60% of the youth population are now binging on Kush. And the, the saddest part of it is it's not even about literacy anymore. It's not even about the people who go to school or those who are educated or those who are uneducated. You see young boys in school, in senior secondary school, taking coach. You see people uneducated taking coach. You see males as well as females taking coach. So it's it, it's it's really harsh rending so there's no predilection for age there's no predilection for the sex you know people are just taking it anyhow in the country and it's really a national emergency so yes so kush yes so kush is a self-recreational drug just like you have the likes of marijuana but it's far more dangerous because what really happens is the kush that comes to the country is tampered with the contents or what it contains is is actually a mixture now so we have we have the the drug being imported to the country and you have people who will add some other stuff to the drug then cause it making it more you know potent and making it I don't know how to I don't know how to describe it because it's a killer drug like its potency is 100 times more dangerous than marijuana itself I mean when after they've mixed yes after they've you know the combination of different things and then you take it just it's just like a very small amount just like a very small amount they have what we call k2 spice these are all the names the other names that it is being called in here in our country so just a very small ounce of it and then people smoke it and you will see the effect all over the place people will be sleeping it's standing in this middle in the middle of the street sleeping very unproductive still people feeling and they become so addictive so addicted to the drug that they cannot do any other thing until they have the drug. They do anything to have it. So that's that's the problem. Right. So as with most drugs, the recipe, if I can call it that, uh, is being changed the whole time. What is the situation like with the uh, Kush, the drug that is driving Sierra Leone crazy? What we hear in in this country is that after it has been imported to the country, we have people who add other stuff to it. Like you rightfully said, human bones, dead human, like most the cops, the, the bones of a cops. And you have what we call formalin. That is um, a chemical that is used, used in preserving dead bodies also been added to that stuff. We had all other stuff. You have likes of marijuana, other weeds, you have other plants, other chemicals that have been added to that formulation. So after everything has been combined, it's now the kush that people smoke, right? And being a medical doctor, we have seen a lot of cases of kush, what we call leg ulcers. They have a lot of 
um, um, these people coming down with leg ulcers, very bad leg ulcers. At the end of the day, they have sepsis and they die. Most times they also have kidney problems because, you know, like the metabolism of such drugs, the liver and the kidney, they are responsible for metabolism of stuff, especially the liver. But most times they come with kidney pathologies. They come swollen, you know, with the, the kidney function deranged, you know. So there's a one, one spectrum of it is there's, a, the, there's this... Um, medical aspect, they come a lot with chronic kidney diseases. And for the surgical aspect of it, they come with a lot of leg ulcers. So either way, they come in acute states, complicated states, and most of the time they die. Some even have what we call upper GI bleeding, right? You'll see a man coming in, you know, having a mess, vomiting blood and all this bloody vomiting. A man will come in restless, a man will come in unconscious, all of those things. These are all the complications of, you know, taking the Kush drug currently in Sierra Leone. And most of them, as I said, they come down with leg ulcers that are very bad. At the end of the day, they do not even make it. They, they die at the end of the day. So all these things that it combine, all the, the formalin, I mean, the dead human bones and everything that it combined is a very deadly poison. I mean, Kush itself is, is a deadly drug, right? It's a deadly drug. Although schools of thought are saying it is relatively safe, but because they are adding other things, you know, like you, like you said, they're adding other things. That That is what potentiates the deadliness of the drug. But I believe from the onset, it's a very deadly drug. It's, it, is, it has this euphoric effect, as I mentioned earlier. It has this sedative effect. And schools of thought are saying it can be used for medicinal, controlled medicinal purposes, right? Because it can be used as, a, as some form of a sedative or some form of a sleeping tablet or something. But this, this way that I'm misusing the drug is very, very bad. Hello. It's very bad. And I think something needs to be done urgently about it. Dr. Sese, you know, I'm sure you've heard about the Friends of the Dead and how they protect the cemeteries from grave robbers or bone robbers, rather. And some people believe that they are the ones responsible for extracting the bones of the dead and sort of, I guess, selling them on the side or something. What is your take on that? And what measures do you think should be looked at to put an end to this problem of Kush? Um, so for me, I think um, most, they will not agree or they will not, you know, accept the fact that they, they're responsible for, you know, exhuming bodies to use their bones to formulate this, this kush. Obviously, they will deny it. So we have, well, a lot of cases, people have been bringing it up. We even have someone whose dead body, a very prominent person who was an actress whose dead body was exhumed and the, the cops, the bones were used for making kush. That was an issue. So I think for me, being a national emergency as it is now, everyone has to see how they can suggest an idea or a way how we can be able to stop this. So for me, I think we need to engage the government, right? Because there are schools of thought saying that, you know, the government, I'm just quoting that the government might, might be responsible, right? Because for the drug to, to come into the country, for the drug to be imported into the country, definitely it must go through some checks, you know? You have the airport security, we have checkpoints at different um places where people enter or coming into the country. So for the drug to enter into the community or for the drug to enter into the country, definitely the government has to be aware. So a, a very, very big or a very, very crucial body that will help us in managing the, the endemic situation of push in the country is the government, right? I mean, they should 
see it as a national emergency. They should come together and ask other people for their opinions to see how they can be able to tackle the issue, right? As I said earlier, we even had um, an annual general meeting for Sierra Leone Medical Doctors Association. We had, um, we had, I think it was a week ago or so, where we discussed about push lengthily. So we had recommendations, of course, you asked earlier, so I'll give the recommend, I'll give some of the recommendations later as we go along. So yes, so we had recommendations as to how, so that is the one thing is involving the government into this and to see, I mean, the importers, who are these people coming into the country with a drug? Who are they? They should be identified, right? They should be identified. So that's the first thing. The government comes in, right? And then there's a strip policy and there is, uh, um, what should I say, a penalty attached to the people that are coming in with, that are inputting the drug, right? So there's a very, very grave penalty or punishment for those that are importing the drug, the ones, because we cannot, if we, if we want to stop, we need to destroy the supply chain. So who, what's the Yes, the producers, who are the who are those supplying? Right? Who are the suppliers of the drug? Because if we talk to the people, if you go around trying to sensitize, telling them don't smoke this, it's very addictive. So you cannot, they will say, okay, yes, we'll stop. And then the next moment, then you see someone smoking kush. You say, oh, this is the same person I was just talking to. So you see? So if... We cannot, the, the, yes, there's a high demand for it, right? So let us see the suppliers. Who are the suppliers? Who are the suppliers? Because, yes, if we want to stop, we need to take, take a, a very drastic, drastic measure. And we need to start by finding out who the suppliers are. And then attacking, because for every problem, even in medicine, you have to attack the root of the problem. You cannot attack the branches, right? These are, this is just a ripple effect. People coming in with a drug, people smoking it because it is available. So let's start by attacking the root of the problem. Where is the drug coming from? Who are the importers of the, of the drug? And let us start from there. Right, we have agencies. We have yes, we have the pharmaceutical board. We have people. We have national agencies that are directly, you know, that are directly made for such purposes, for regulation of drugs, how they are used, drugs entering into the markets, and everything. We have agencies for that, so they can come together and attack the problem, and then we can see if someone goes to buy kush and it's not available, or if there's a grave punishment for people who sell them, like, and there's a, uh, there's actually an example that is being set. For example, we have someone who sells kush, and the police or whosoever, or the law arrests the person, we have a penalty, like you have 15 years in jail or something, right? And then there's an example that is being set, you'll see, little by little, yes. But if not, we'll keep saying over and over again, we'll keep advising people, we'll keep doing whatever sensitization, it will not stop. Because you, you sensitize one day, the next minute people are buying the drug because it's still available in the market. So there's nothing we can do about it. So we should break the supply chain. Where is it coming from? We'll there and then we'll see, we'll start from there. At least we know we, we are doing something. We, are, we have attacked the root of the problem. So that is what I think. Really. And what about the youth? Obviously, Kush usage cannot be regulated as it is illegal. But what can youngsters themselves do to prevent uh, the rising popularity of this drug? I think when it comes to Kush, it's a multidisciplinary approach. That will be the best because it's not, um, it's something that everyone should be involved in, right? I mean, all the from the Ministry of Health to the Ministry of Youths, you know, everyone should be involved because you you might have a family member or a friend of a friend who's, you know, someone is involved in, you know, drug abuse involving Kush, 
So it's not something that um, is isolated to a particular um, agency. So everyone should come on board and everyone should take everyone as their person. So for me, what I'll do, I mean, the feasible thing, right, is to liaise, first of all, with um, the psychiatric center, because one of, one of the things that, you know, it's, it's, it has a lot to do with mental health. So if we have a rehabilitation center, I mean, for people who are who have decided that, okay, we are addicted to this drug, probably they will, you know, go to the centers for counseling and all those things. I mean, we should have counselors, people who are there to talk to people. I mean, at least to know the reason why they're taking the drug, how they feel, and give them reasons as to why they should not take it and help them help them to salvage the situation, help them to manage their addiction. So if we have a rehabilitation center in the country where we can cancel, we can cancel those people, we have therapists, we have people who are there to support the young generation, the people who are abusing this drug. We have people who are there to sensitize to sensitize these people. We have people who are there to, to, what should I say, to own the situation. To own the situation in the sense, or should, yeah, to own the situation as if it is, even if it's not your relative, to own the situation and act in all the best possible way to help these people, right? You can start with um, um, sensitizing them about the drug because most people don't even know about the medical complications, the implications. Most people just take it for the euphoric effect that it has, especially the youths. A lot of them don't know. They don't know the contents. They don't care. They just take it and it's about the effect, the sedative effect, the euphoric effect it has. That is all they care about. So we start about educating them. Right, about the long-term consequences, the short-term consequences, and how the ripple effect in the society, how unproductive the brain gain and how unproductive it will make the society, the economic damage it will do. So all of these things, right, we tell these people. And then we have rehab centers for those that are already addicted to the drug. We have a way of, because the last time I remember I was, I, w I went to the psychiatric center and they told me that there's a way in which, you know, people who present with, um, you know, excessive, you know, there's this overdose of the drug, they will flush, they will try to remove, excrete it out of their system and try to encourage them and cancel them, not to take the drug again and all. It is very difficult, trust me, it is so difficult because the challenges they have, they have currently is that they are addicted to the drug, so probably they'll stay there for a week or so, then they'll go back. But there are some that they, they, they had some positive, you know, they had some positive things to say. There are some who would go have they they have do they have their therapy and then they will go they will be successful they will stop taking the drug we met some of them there right we met some of them there oh we are so they regretted ever taking the drug they explained the ripple effect it had on them their families and all those things so if I mean not everyone it will not apply to everyone not everyone we will be able to function everyone. But at least some people, yeah, there's so there is some hope that we can, you know, manage the situation the best way we can. As especially for now, when we cannot stop the supplies, right? The supply chain, we don't know how. I mean, the government has the answer to that. So in our little best possible way, as medics or as healthcare workers, the best we can do is to sensitize them about the drug, have rehabilitation centers to cancel this these patients to tell them about the long-term consequences it has. As I was telling you, we have a lot of them coming with leg ulcers. We have a lot of them having upper, um, upper GI bleeding. We have kidney pathologies. So if we can be able to explain such to them and we engage the public community leaders around us as to caring for these people and taking drastic steps for them to stop 
right? Giving them all the reasons for them to stop, right? And also, I'm, I'm, well, I'm a very spiritual person and also praying for them as well, to pray for them, right? So I guess, yeah, that is what I will do. Well, as we conclude our exploration of Sierra Leone's Kush crisis, uh, we leave with a profound sense of urgency and determination. The stories we've heard today of shattered lives and the indomitable spirit of resilience serve as a stark reminder of the human cost of this truly terrible epidemic. Kush has obviously cast a dark shadow over Sierra Leone, but it is not the only force shaping the country's future, you know. Amidst this despair, we've witnessed the unwavering commitment of those fighting back, you know, addiction specialists, community leaders, uh, and ordinary citizens, the youth. Together, they are forging a path towards a brighter future, uh, a future where Kush no longer holds sway and hope sort of reigns supreme. We must also recognize that the Kush crisis is obviously not merely a Sierra Leonean problem. It is a global issue that demands our collective attention. You know, as we listen to these different stories of fellow human beings, just like you and I, let's let's be inspired to take action, to lend our voices and resources to fight against these insidious drugs. And I'm not limiting the argument to only Kush. I mean, all drugs in general, and it goes for alcohol as well. So message for all the kids out there, don't do drugs, man. I know it's, it's a super cliched saying, but just don't do it because at the end of it all, the long-term consequences will always outweigh the short-term pleasure. So let's stand united, united in the fight for a world free from the grip of drugs, Kush included, obviously. Well, um, if you want to rewind or re-listen to previous Afroverdict episodes, you're welcome to do so on popular podcasting platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Pocket Cast, AfriPods, CastBox, and obviously Pod- Podcast Addict. But for updates regarding Africa and important global events, do check out our Sputnik Africa Telegram channel, TikTok account, and other socials. For easier access to all of the content, be sure to download our Sputnik Africa application. That's that for today, everyone. This is your host, Victor Anakin, signing off. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I'll see you next time. Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.